I've got to hand it to today's guest. She's doing something I don't think I'd have the courage or the physical stamina to do. She is riding her bicycle from her hometown in Spain all the way to Asia. She doesn't have a time frame, so it could be one year. It could be multiple years. She doesn't even have an exact route. No support crew, no sponsors, just her and her bike and some savings from the last five years of work loaded down with gear and a camera. It's really an amazing story and an amazing journey. At the time of recording, she was about two months into this journey and about 2,000 kilometers in. So there's a long way to go, but she's on the road. Today, we're talking with cyclotourist Sarah Chu. Hey everyone, how's it going? Today we have a really fun episode. We're going to be talking with Sada Chu. Her family is from China, but she was born and raised in Spain. And Sada is in, right in the middle of an epic adventure where she is solo biking from Spain all the way to Asia. She doesn't have a time frame or even a final destination in mind. So we'll, we'll follow her, right? And so joining us from Zaragoza, Spain is Sara Chu. Welcome, Sara. Thank you so much, Curtis, for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just um, a few days here in Zaragoza. And um, uh, just in a couple of days, I will resume my trip. I will fly back to Italy, to Trieste, from where I left, uh, my last destination in Italy. And... Yeah, so this was a little bit unexpected, right? You were not totally planning on being back in Spain just right now, but you had to renew your passport before it expired? Exactly. These kind of things happen, so I'm kind of adapting to these kind of things, and the flight that I took was quite cheap, so I took this opportunity to be at home a few days also and see my family here. Yeah, that's nice too, and maybe rest your mind a little bit and you, you don't have to worry about where you're going to sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to be in your own bed, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so let's get to know you a little better. Um, you were born in Spain. Have you lived in Zaragoza your whole life? Yeah, I was born here. I grew up here and I stayed almost my whole life um, here because uh, I studied school and university mainly in Zaragoza and from 22 years old I, I left to study abroad or to work in other places. Uh, do, you know, do you know where your family is from in, in China? Yeah, they are from the province of Zhejiang, uh, right in the south of Shanghai and they came here in the, in the 80s more or less. What's the dialect there? They speak, uh, they come from a small city called Qintian, and they speak Qintianhua. Yeah, oh, they speak okay. that dialect between them. <laughs> <laughs> then did you learn that or as well as Mandarin growing up or mostly Spanish uh, at home? <laughs> a little bit, but the first, my first language is Spanish. And uh, the dialect, I can't talk it, but a little bit only. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So when you get to Asia, are you going to have to use Mandarin maybe? <laughs> when I get to Asia, yeah, I, I will have to, if I go to China, I will have to use my Mandarin again. And if I go to see my grandparents, because the four of them are there, oh. I will start to use my, my Qin Tianhua again. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta that dust it off. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, what brought your family to Spain? What, was it work or, or something different? Yeah, it was mainly about work, about finding better opportunities for them and for us also. We, well, they met each other in Spain, in Zaragoza, actually. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, but they are from the same village. And, oh, wow. um, and then, yeah, a few years later, my brother and I were born and they, they stayed here their whole life after, after coming. Well, what's life like in Zaragoza, like growing up as a, as a kid, you're going to school. I, I'm, I looked it up a little bit. It's mostly kids from Spain, but then there's other, a couple international kids. But were you one of the only Asian kids in your classes? 
Yeah, at that time, my brother and I were the only Asian kids in that school. I think now it's getting more international, right? But uh, at that moment, yeah, only my brother and me. (laughs) (laughs) How was that growing up? Did you kind of blend in? I mean, you have the black hair, right? (laughs) You know, or did you feel like you stood out a lot? Uh, When I was a kid, um, I think I wasn't aware of being different of the, uh, from mm-hmm. the others. But when I became a teenager, I started to feel the difference a little bit. And I think I have never felt fully integrated. You know, uh, when we are teenagers, we mm-hmm. start to form groups and, you know, you have your own group, you have, everyone has its own group. And yeah, I think I, I felt a bit different and I haven't, um, I wasn't uh, really integrated in the groups. But that happened not only in my teenage years. After after that, also sure. happened. it kept yeah. happening. But I mean, now I'm okay with that. Yeah. But it was a bit difficult when I was a teenager. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it happens everywhere. Help happens here in America. It happens mm-hmm. wherever the diaspora takes you. You know, there's Chinese kids everywhere who has to yeah. live through that challenging but uh but you know it it makes you tougher in a way yeah probably yeah that's for sure yeah you start appreciating your you being different when you get a bit older right not when you are a teenager yeah and yeah later on i i started to embrace uh just the the fact of being raised under two cultures i guess it happened to you as well yeah um, yeah (laughs) So were you always kind of an active kid? Did you always like to get out and do hiking, biking, sports? What sorts of things did you do as a kid? Well, as a kid, I liked sports. I played soccer with the with the boys, sure, <laughs> you know, sure. because I get bored with the with the other. I don't know. I just like to play soccer and be active. So um, yeah, that's the the main activity I did um, at school and also near home in the parks and everything yeah <laughs> and then so then you go to college or university and what, what was your plan growing up you were thinking you would do for a living after college so i always had in mind that uh, i wanted to join a big company uh you know i didn't really had uh, many references so i ended up studying what my brother studied I just uh, thought, okay, what could be the coolest department in a company, right? <laughs> and I thought that marketing was the right one. Okay. And then I studied marketing. Um, and it was between Spain, Zaragoza, and uh, I did a year abroad in the U.S. also. And in between, I took uh, several gap years, actually. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, and then I... Just like a like the typical path after graduation, I joined a, a big company in, in Madrid, yeah, in Spain. Yeah. And then, so you're working in Madrid, and then when did the idea that you're going to start biking from Spain to Asia, <laughs> when did this idea come into your head? Yeah, it took... A few months to process. Actually, it wasn't from the from one night to 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 another. Um, I've worked. I've been working for five years in different companies. Um, in the last company, I've been three years working. And okay, I think I've learned a lot. I switched roles many times. But um, one thing is that I couldn't see myself working for others for the rest of my life you know I wanted (laughs) to set my own schedules yeah and uh, I always like to travel I started a few years ago seven years ago I think and the pandemic you know it makes you think a bit differently it made me travel differently also I I started to travel slower because before the pandemic the first thing I did when I had holiday is to take a plane, the further, the, the better, and then backpack, you know. But during the pandemic, I had to adapt and I travel by bike. I travel hiking, walking from one city to another. 
And this made me reconsider the way I like to travel. And I think I like more like the journey, like going little by little rather than going to the destination straight away. So it was kind of something that was already forming without being aware. And at the end, I think it was in September last year that I really decided to do this kind of thing. Mm. And also I had a friend that um, started his bike trip one year before me. Mm. And because of him, I also thought, okay, if one friend, what someone who is close to me is doing it, can do it, then you start to believe that you can do it as well, right? Yeah. So that was yeah. also a, a little inspiration. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, what was the longest, what was the furthest you'd ever ridden before? Um, I think it was in my first bike trip. It was in October 2020. Um, it was 13 days and 700 kilometers. That oh. was my first trip, but with another bike, with another equipment, I'm yeah. prepared, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I learned a lot and I really, really enjoyed it. I think if I didn't, if I haven't done that trip, if the pandemic didn't, if we didn't have the pandemic, I haven't, I wouldn't have done that trip. And if I wouldn't have done that trip, I probably won't be doing this journey. Yeah, you know, that's such a common story. I've interviewed people in so many different fields, and a lot of them say that if it wasn't for the pandemic, I wouldn't have, you know, X, Y, Z. Same with yeah. me, you know, I, I wouldn't have had a, a podcast. <laughs> uh, your, podcast, your podcast started during the pandemic? Yeah, yeah, because I'm a teacher, so. Okay. And so I had never done anything like this, you know, in interviews or talking on a camera. And I, I think there's at least half a dozen people who said, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I never would have, you know. Yeah. So it's crisis, amazing, huh? In terms of crisis, we have to find uh, the good things, right? And I think we, we all found something. <laughs> you have to adapt, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you quit. did you quit your job around February or January? When did you quit? Yeah, at the end of December. Okay. At the end of December, yeah. And then you got real serious about getting equipment and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, I, it took my time also. <laughs> yeah. I knew I wanted to leave in April, but I wanted to plan everything well and, and do another cycling trip also, start making videos about previous trips. So I, I did a few things also. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't totally looked at your channel. Have you done YouTube for a little while or when, when did you start YouTube? No, actually my first YouTube video was a long time ago. I think I did one for my trip in Philippines, which was in 2016, but okay. just a random video. You know, a friend of me uh, gave me the a GoPro as a present <laughs> and I just started to record. Yeah, yeah. And I really like <laughs> I really like to do the, the video, actually. And after that, I kept doing some videos, but not very frequently. So lots of new experiences on this trip for you. That's for mm, sure. Yeah, many, many new things, many <laughs> new things to learn, actually. But it's okay. <laughs> so, so you make this decision. Was going to Asia part of your journey just as a human being and part of, you know, going back towards your homeland at all? I mean, your parents' homeland? Or, or does it just seem like something like, did you like the Silk Road or like what, what sorts of decisions went into this route? Um, actually, uh, a lot of people has asked me that. And no, it's, it's not really like coming back to my roots. Well, yes and no, I, I wouldn't know. But I always tend towards Asia. <laughs> so I said the direction. There's no specific route. There's no specific path. But, and once there, uh, I don't know where I will be going, you know, but um, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm researching the routes that other cyclotourists have, have done. Yeah. And I also, I've also been in Central Asia a few years ago and I really liked it. So, so yeah, Asia, I think we have a lot to, to discover there. I mean, yeah. not... Asia is not only not only China, right? And China is still very huge, but yeah, yeah, yeah. What what languages do you just? On a side note, what languages do you speak? Obviously, Spanish. 
English. Yeah, I, I went to, to a French school, luckily, so I do speak French also and a bit of Chinese. Uh, my Chinese is not perfect, it's not native, yeah, but I, yeah. I try my best, but it's <laughs> difficult. <laughs> well, I think there's a statistic, right, that if you speak Spanish, English, and Mandarin, you can travel to like 80% of the world, I think. You know, <laughs> made the things much easier, actually. I'm very happy that my parents um, put me in that school. And I didn't realize it until much later, you know. But yeah. for example, when I was cycling in France, I think it would have been very different if I didn't speak the language. Because the language, speaking the native language, brings them closer to you. Yeah. Yeah, even if they talk in English, if they know how to talk in English and I know how to talk in English, I think it, it changes uh, a bit, you know? Yeah, yeah, especially when you're asking someone to take you into their house, you know, <laughs> or, you know, yeah. you need another level, yeah. <laughs> well, so you're, well, we'll talk about the route in a minute, but you're getting out of your comfort zone a little bit, right? You're going to be going to places where you don't speak the primary language, mostly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the first the first countries uh, should be easier because I'm still in Europe, right? And But the further I go, the more difficult it will be because the culture will be different. I won't yeah. be speaking the language. Um, I don't know the culture and I have to learn everything from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the challenge is going to be more and more difficult, but that's why I also chose to start from, from Spain, right? Not to take a plane and just yeah. run in Turkey. I want yeah. to see that progress and it will help me because when I reach Turkey, for example, I will be used to the life of, of the bike and I will gain some experience um, yeah. physically yeah. And, and mentally, and hopefully. I think No, I think so. So you're preparing for this trip and uh, I watched a couple of your videos on the gear. <laughs> you have two whole videos on gear and it's a lot of stuff, you know, and I'm sure you spent a lot of time thinking about it and planning. Did you, did you have a guide? Uh, you know, you said your friend did cyclotourism mm -hmm. and did you have any kind of help in planning the, the gear? Uh, hopefully there are several cyclotourists that um, that share their equipment in their blogs or in videos and that help me a lot of course because then you know more or less you know that 80 percent or 70 percent of what they're bringing you will you will need it as well mm -hmm. maybe not everything but but sure the big uh uh trunk of what they're bringing I'll, i i have bought it and i think um, everything that i have that I have bought or that I have bring with me um, is being useful. It's being useful. I just need, um, so I haven't followed all the recommendations and that's my fault. <laughs> so <laughs> the only thing that I'm getting extra and I just bought it here in Taragosa, it's um, uh, water pants. I don't, it's water pants. Uh, waterproof pants. Waterproof pants. Yeah. yeah. And then thing. I think you said you're going to get solar panels a little later. You're going to need to yeah, get off the maybe grid. Probably, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get them later. Yeah. So it, it adds up. Yeah, every little piece you got to really put some thought into because when you're going up a hill, every kilogram mm -hmm. matters, you know, that's you feel it. it. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. But one of the things that I was surprised because I before I left, I weighed everything that I had and all my equipment uh, was 24 kilos and it's much less than what other cyclotourists are bringing you know I was a bit surprised about that but I'm happy I have everything yeah. that I need I'm washing my clothes every day but yeah. I have everything I need <laughs> that's the trade-off right you pack a little lighter now are you preparing for all all four seasons are you preparing for to go all the way through winter as well if you're on the road yeah, yeah, yeah I have all my winter clothes with me Sure. Oh, wow. <laughs> so hard, <laughs> you know, because right, right now you could probably get away with a little lighter clothes for sure. Right? Mm. Yeah. You, who knows where you'll be in January? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? You <laughs> could be somewhere that's really cold. Oh, mm. man. I don't even know where I would begin. But uh, what about food? So you have to power, you know, you have to power the machine that is your body. 
How much food do you carry? You carry one day at a time? Yeah, um, right now, as I'm cycling through cities and villages, it's easier, right? Because I have supermarkets everywhere. Uh, and I go uh, to buy maybe not every day, but uh, one every two days. For lunch, I normally uh, buy something easy, maybe like some bread or an hummus or this kind of stuff. And for dinner, I normally um, stay at a warm shower or with a family or at a hostel. I also cook myself because I have the equipment for cooking. Yeah, something warmer. Yeah, I'd imagine that it's just it's just tough to, to keep the calories up and, you know, just always have enough food to keep going. Yeah, I, I think it was more difficult during the first during the first months because I think I, I was a bit anxious about food, you know, like uh, feeling uh, starving all the time. Oh. <laughs> but now uh, I'm better. I'm better with, with that. Yeah. Pacing it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you ever think about bringing a partner with you or partnering with someone on this ride or did you really want to do a solo? I didn't thought about this uh, a lot because I just assumed that I was going to to go solo. All my backpacking trips, I've done them solo and I really like this kind of travel. I think it's a bit different. A lot of advantages, maybe it has disadvantages as well. Mm -hmm. But for this trip, I think I will mainly do it solo. You know, and it's also a project that uh, it involves making videos, stopping. Yeah. You know, I think it's a bit difficult to to do it with somebody. But if I met people on the road, and I mean, we can ride together for for one day or a few days, that wouldn't be a problem at all. Yeah. yeah. What did your family say when you said you were going to do this? Did they did they support <laughs> you one hundred percent? You can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. had a conversation with them <laughs> yesterday. Oh, just, yeah, that's right. <laughs> they're, they're hoping you'll stay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They support me. Okay. They support me, but yeah. they know that they don't really have another option. If they get to choose, they rather uh, have me working for a big company, have a stable job, start a family, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but i can say they are very stubborn they they yeah. can't understand me sometimes well it, that's a big one you know you, i think even the most trusting parents would still be a little worried <laughs> yeah okay to be worried it's okay but well yeah. you understand i understand <laughs> yeah no it's hard and then you know just out of curiosity so how are you funding you're just using your savings to fund this trip and Trying, are you worried about money at all on this? Or are you just going to kind of go with the flow until you can't go anymore? Uh, well, I have some some savings from uh, the five years I've worked. But um, okay, in the first year, I don't want to worry a lot about money. But I'm trying to build something, you know. It's uh, not just traveling, but also creating content. I'm learning how to create content. I want to figure out what the audience finds valuable. So it's a process of, of learning and hopefully getting feedback and see um, what do they find valuable and keep improving my skills because it's not easy. I mean, the communication part, I think, is the most difficult one. You know, yeah. <laughs> the editing, the hard skills and everything, it can be learned. But the communication, how you tell a story, I think I find that difficult. But I mean, mm -hmm. I will improve little by little. Yeah. Well, let me go ahead and give a plug for your channel. It's called Journey from the Road It's on YouTube. Also on Instagram that you can follow Sana on Instagram as well. I think you do Instagram almost every day, right? Or every yeah. other day or so. Frequently, yeah. yeah, very frequently. And then YouTube you're doing once a week. Mm, exactly yeah so everyone go give a like and subscribe and follow sada's journey i'm it's it's two months in and it's it's really fun and I, you know you may think you're not the best communicator but i, I like your style you're very very mellow you know you don't have <laughs> uh you not you're not super loud you're very soft-spoken uh-huh but you share from your heart I, I appreciate some of the times you've shared mm -hmm. the difficulties as well as you know the, yeah. the, the beauty 
So we'll we'll keep following. So everyone out there, give Sarah a follow. Um, let's talk about the the trip so far. So you started in April, and I think we're on eight episodes, or is nine coming out this week? Mm-hmm. So there's about eight episodes out, and you can see her journey through Spain and France. Uh, what sorts of things have you learned so far in the first two months? So much. Uh, a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, a lot of things because this trip, I mean, I didn't have like a, an idea of how this trip would unfold, right? But it keeps surprising me like every day. Above all, the people, the people that, I, that I'm meeting, the, the community that we will talk about it later, maybe the warm shower community. Yeah, yeah. But also uh, people that I'm encountering on the road, like very unexpectedly. And uh, I've learned, okay, first of all, it's, a, it's, a, it's also a physical challenge and I'm learning to, to, to listen to my body, to understand what it needs, when I need to stop, above all when I'm in the mountain, right? It's not a race. Um, I'm going at my own rhythm. There are cyclists that maybe do 80, 100 kilometers per day, but that's their own rhythm, that their trip and every journey is different. So I'm trying to listen to my body and don't push it too much every day because it's a long term. And if I push it every day, it won't be sustainable. So I've learned that. Also, I've learned to be a bit more courageous because um, before this trip, well, I think that I've always been, I don't know how to ask help, you know, because I feel that I'm bothering uh, the other people. So I try to solve my own problems by myself, but I'm trying to learn to ask uh, people for help. And people is responding super, super well. And I don't feel like they are bothering me. So it's something that I will keep doing more. Or I'm happy to do that, you know, to involve them in my problems also and to help them solving solving them. Let's talk about warmshowers.org. It's, I've never heard of it until you. You were the first person I'd ever heard of it before. I guess it's, it, it's worldwide, mm-hmm. and it's a network of people who offer up their... Is it always uh, uh, indoors, or sometimes it's just you can shower there, but you can't stay there, or is it very... Well, location. it depends. It depends on the host. Um, sometimes they can provide their garden. Sometimes they provide dinner. They provide b- breakfast, the shower, like almost everything. But it, it depends of what he he or she can offer. It's a community um, that was built, I think, in the US uh, 15 or even 20 years ago. So oh, it wow. has existed a lot of years. And uh, in the countries I've been, uh, in France especially, there are a lot, a lot of hosts. I think the cycling community and and that way of traveling is more common, maybe in France, yeah. more than Italy and Spain. Oh, really? Yeah. So you shoot them an email and say, I'll be there tomorrow? Or, or what do you, how do you make <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, it works just like that. So um, you can see a map, right? And you can see where they are located. So normally you can adapt the route to go to stop by their place or you see who, who can fit better, right? And then you write to them or you WhatsApp them if they provide their phone number uh-huh. and that's it. And normally they are pretty flexible because they know that you cannot exactly plan like yeah. one month ahead that you will be that day exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. the, the majority of the times I just write them the day before or even the same day, you know, because I cannot plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, the majority of the days, it's fine. They they just, it works out. Yeah, they say yeah. it's fine. It's okay. It's very cool. One of the scenes I liked was when you're in, I think it was France, and, you're, and you met a couple, and the woman is Chinese, and the man is French, and you're in their house, and they invite some friends over, and they're making <laughs> dumplings. 
<laughs> they're making jiaozi and they put cheese inside of it and everyone's speaking French and they're making Chinese dumplings. It was a really cool scene. It seems like one of those memories that I don't think you're going to forget. Yeah, this was very random. And that was the day I crossed uh, my first border. And I wrote him last minute, you know, because I was going to stay at an Auburn's, but they told me it was closed. And I did my reservation two days before, you know. So at the end, I was happy that it was closed <laughs> because I found them. Uh-huh. And yeah, they responded very well, even if I wrote them last minute. And I ended up staying two nights at their place. And in the second night, we made the, the dumplings. They invited the friends over. And yeah, this couple is super, super nice. <laughs> yeah, and you, and you said she had a good story too. Mm. And I think you said a lot of the hosts are cyclo tourists themselves, or they've done mm. a little traveling, so they understand. Yeah, the yeah they understand it. That it's important. Okay, um, uh, in two ways. First, because we we have a lot of common and we can share a lot of stories, right? And then they know that you will arrive and you will be sweaty tired <laughs> you will need a shower you will be hungry you know so yeah. these both aspects they they can understand and we can share stories yeah very nice and then when you can't find a place you have a tent and a sleeping bag and a backpack and so some of the scenes you're just trying to find somewhere to put your tent and you know it's not like you're out in the woods you're in cities you know or you're on the side of the road so you had to be a little creative, right? Like just finding yeah. someone's yard or finding the side yeah, of the road. Sometimes it's not easy because in France, um, there were there were a lot of fields that were with fences, so directly you cannot go in. Yeah. That's why also I started to to ask to people if I could stay in in their garden. Yeah, that was the. The first time I did it, I think I did it three times only, two in France and one in Italy. And all of them, yeah, the three times I asked, it went super, super well. They responded super well. So, yeah, I have to keep doing it. (laughs) As I told you, it's been very difficult to me to find a proper spot for camping. So I found a spot near a river, a small river that is running there. It looks like a private property, even if it's not with a fence. So I asked to somebody in the in a house nearby. I knocked their door, an old man opened the door, and then I asked him if I could stay and put my tent there. And he told me no problem, so here I am. I do not have any other solution for camping in France, so from now on, I think it's better to just ask directly and and put your tent in there. I was having my little breakfast and then two minutes ago, Julia came. Julia is the, the woman who lives there. She's around 60 or 70 years old. And she came with the breakfast towards me. She brought me the brioche and she brought me warm coffee. <laughs> They are so nice here, the people. And yesterday night, when I set up my tent and everything, I went back, I knocked on the door, and I asked if I could take a shower. And of course, they let me take a shower at their home. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little bit of a nerve-wracking experience, I'd imagine, because you're, mm. you're tired and you just want somewhere to put your tent, and you don't want to get on anyone's bad side. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, wild camping is is fine. I think from time to time you find a safe place if you are away from the city, right? But I wouldn't do it three days in a row, for example, because um, I can shower. I have a water sack of four liters, but it's not the same. And also I need to wash my clothes like almost every day. So I would combine wild camping or camping in someone's garden with warm showers or even hostels. I do combine these three alternatives. Yeah. And so you're making your YouTube videos. Do you you film for like the whole week and do you kind of keep a mental note or every day do you kind of go through the footage that you've gotten and figure out what you want to make the video? Or are you planning that in your head as you're going along? 
No, when I think I have something interesting to tell, then I record myself or I record the, um, the landscapes I'm cycling toward to. Um, at the end of the week, normally I stop for one day or even two days to edit the video. Yeah, edit the video for what happened in, during one week, more or less. Yeah, the videos are chronological. They are not about the story. At the moment, they are more cr- uh, chronological. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so do you, do you need to wait till you get to a house to do that? Or have you done it in a tent? Have you edited <laughs> edit inside of a tent at night? <laughs> Um, no, because I didn't have um, electricity, yeah. so it's not very convenient, but, but I can edit without internet, that's true. But I normally, I always find a warm shower or a hostel to, to be able to, to work properly. <laughs> are you you're getting good feedback? I, I've noticed a couple of comments, people are cheering you on on the comments section. <laughs> yeah, that helps a lot. I receive good feedback and also constructive feedback. But as I told you, I'm still very new. Before this trip, I was so, so afraid of talking to the camera and so embarrassed, you know. Uh uh But at least now I'm not afraid of it. It's just I don't mind talking to the camera. But that doesn't doesn't mean that I'm doing it. I'm good at it, right? Mm -hmm. I have to improve and... Well, we beginners, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> does, it, does it keep you company a little bit? You know, like well, I've traveled by myself before and it, it's kind of uh-huh. lonely, but you know, when you write letters or you like you're vlogging, right? As you do mm-hmm. that, does it kind of keep you company and help you feel less alone that you know that people are going to No, <laughs> no, no, no. And also when I, when I talk to the camera, I have to think about a bit about what I'm, what I'm going to say, you know, because it's also in English is not my my main language, and the better I talk to the camera, the less edit yeah. <laughs> editing I have to do. After. I know, yeah, I know about <laughs> I that. I try yeah. to <laughs> <laughs> focus a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's definitely something that you're learning. Hmm. Um, so you shared a little bit about the. I think it was episode seven. A little bit you you talked about this just now too. Your the mental struggle of being on the road as well as the physical struggle moving from location to location. Um, do you feel, do you feel like you've come a, a long way in that, in that regard on this trip, or is it just something you're just going to have to keep learning as you go along? If I think this journey will bring me a lot of surprises. And at the moment I've been very lucky, but some bad things, um, I mean, um, will will happen i will have to adapt maybe some days i will feel very tired or in some countries they will perceive me differently or the culture will be different and traveling solo as a woman will be challenging but so far i think um i'm adapting properly uh the countries i'm cycling are very similar culturally so Mm. yeah that struggle i had in france is what i've told you uh before that um um when i reached the 1000 kilometers that uh, like rationally i wanted to reach the other country right but emotionally i was a little further from Uh the border that was the struggle but then i I I learned from that also, because when I reached the 2,000 kilometers, nothing happened. It was just calm. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a best memory so far? It's only been two months, but... No, I have a lot of good memories. I mean, the warm showers community and the unexpected encounters played a big role. I think this is what I will remember on the trips more than the landscapes and everything that Mm. were, they were amazing. But I think uh, we remember these these kind of surprises. How about a worst day? Have you had a bad day yet? A really bad day? Mm, I think my worst day was one day that I didn't know where to sleep and it rained the whole day. (laughs) That's when I learned that I needed water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was a long, long day. You know, it was 90 kilometers. A uh, big part of it with a lot of rain. I didn't know where to sleep because the warm shower didn't answer me. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. But at the end, I found uh, a place yeah. and they let me stay. But I was uh-huh. lucky. It ended, it ended well. So every time I had a bad day, at the end, it ended well. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's I a good, good philosophy to have that, to put that <laughs> in the bank, you know, where you know that you could get through this, you know, or that yeah. it'll change or something will happen. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Do you confuse people a little bit when you show up with a Chinese face and you speak Spanish or French? Does it confuse a lot. people? <laughs> Sometimes they don't know if they if I come from Asia and I'm cycling towards Europe or the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I have to explain it, but but then it's fine. You know, in Spain, uh, so I I'm Spanish. I was born in Spain. I grew up here. But when they ask me, they always ask me, where are you from? So they don't assume that I'm Spanish. And then I say, I'm from Spain. And they keep waiting for another type of response. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of of times I just say, I'm from Zaragoza, I'm from Spain, and originally from China. Because it's the answer that they expect. Yeah. Yeah. They want to know the whole story. (laughs) Yeah. But in China, it happens the same to me. In Spain, they say, you don't look Spanish, okay, obviously, but in China, they say, you don't sound Chinese and you don't look Spanish. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I had the same thing when I went to China. You know, I'm uh, several generations here in America. And um, when I went to China for the first time, I I never felt so American. (laughs) You know, like everyone there just called, you know, thought of me as 100% American. Yeah, I think they can't see it, right? From yeah. maybe from how you are wearing or how you're walking, your your gestures. Yeah, I think they can't see it. So yeah, I think but I think as you get closer to Asia, you know, I have a cousin who was adopted from Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. And his so his parents are Chinese. But they adopted a little boy out of Kazakhstan, and he looks he looks pretty much Chinese, you know, like the Central Asia. I think you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, when I was in Kyrgyzstan in 2019, they thought I was from. <laughs> they spoke to me in Kyrgyz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I will blend well. I have to learn the language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so you're going to fly back to Italy with your renewed passport, which is important. <laughs> you mm-hmm. need to have that. I know you don't have a, a total time frame, but are you hoping to get somewhere by, you know, by the time the weather turns bad? Are you, are you thinking of trying to get through a certain spot by a certain date in general? Mm, not, not really. So what I'm planning right now is my next country, which is Slovenia. And um, a lot of people just cross Slovenia, right? But they, I have very good feedback, people who have cy- cycled there or backpack there. And I want to spend a bit of time. So I will visit some some places. I will spend maybe a couple of weeks there. And then I will start to to go uh, toward the east, to go down through Croatia, maybe Serbia. But I still don't know which are the countries because the typical, I know what which is the typical route, but then I have some other cycling friends that change the route a little bit at, and maybe I will visit other countries, but always towards the east. But I don't have any time frame. I think in September or so, I should be in Turkey but I, yeah. I never know. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, the Middle East can be a little iffy sometimes politically. Do you have any plans for the Middle East or are you just going to plan as you get closer? I think Iran is one of the countries that I want to cycle, but I want to contact a few cyclotourist women who have been there to give me their personal opinion, their experiences. Because you always read good things and bad things about uh, experiences, right? And there are not many, many people that have cycled alone, and especially women in this country. Maybe there are five or ten or not not more. 
So, yeah, I want to inform myself better, but Iran, it's a country that they greatly recommended me. And then towards Central Asia, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And you really have no end time. No, the thing is to be constant uh, in making videos, in sharing stories, in, in traveling. And I hope that uh, in, in half years or in four months, I can see how the evolution goes, uh, if the audience likes uh, the content and so on. The thing is to not be stuck. The mo- in the moment I'm stuck, um, that would be a, a problem. But if, if it keeps growing, I'm still enjoying the trip, which I will, then I will keep doing it. And it takes time. This kind of thing, I think you cannot judge from the first six months. You yeah, need yeah, to yeah. be there to be constant at least one month, one year or even two years. So, yeah, I will, I will try my best. I don't want to... To yeah. go back to the office from <laughs> nine to six, you know, so I will do my best. <laughs> that's your that's your incentive. <laughs> Just yeah, anything to, to stay out of the office. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's very cool. We're gonna definitely keep up with you over the next year or two. We'll see how long you go. Um, we'll update the podcast as well. You know, hey, if you need something to listen to on the road, you can always download our podcast and we'll <laughs> We'll keep you company on the bike. But uh, so uh, I guess that is it for the hard questions. So we're going to start the lightning round. So these are shorter questions. Just don't think too hard. Just answer these as you as the answer comes to your head. Do you have a favorite piece of gear so far? So what I've been finding more valuable lately is the is my thermal because it keeps the water cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in these last days above all. Yeah. How is the weather in Italy right now? Is it getting warm? Yeah, it's getting hotter and hotter. Yeah, just like in Spain. Yeah. yeah like above thirty degrees or so. Okay. So what do you miss most when you're on the road? I think Chinese food. <laughs> yeah, I went to several Chinese restaurants in this trip. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be the thing I, I miss the most. Well, you're you're heading in the right direction. <laughs> I think I think the Chinese food will get better the closer you get, maybe. <laughs> All right. Now you can only choose one of these. Mm-hmm. Uh which would you most what do you most desire after a long ride? A home-cooked meal, a warm shower, or a soft bed? Actually, I thought about this question in one of my long rides, and I chose the shower. Yeah, <laughs> I can cold imagine. shower if it's warm. Yeah. This time of year, yeah, mm-hmm. I can imagine. And then do you start, to start the shower with your clothes on and <laughs> just rinse it off <laughs> and then do the laundry at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> more or less more or less yeah i know no that's what you do when you're uh, in your backpack and you jump in the lake right yeah all right um i don't know if you have one but do you have a favorite book movie or even a television show about traveling or maybe even cycling or backpacking yeah i haven't read a, a lot about traveling um but they recommended to me a book that i want to read that is about a woman who cycled from ireland to india in the 60s alone oh wow so yeah it's called full tilt uh from ireland to india wow how many kilometers would that be that be i don't know at least ten thousand thousands yeah (laughs) that's cool so the last question is one that we ask all of our guests. It's called, who's your infatuation? Uh, an infatuation is someone who is Asian that you admire or that you may know or may not know, and they can be deceased or living. It's up to you. So Sadachu, who is your infatuation? I would say um, he's, a, he's from Taiwanese origin, and he's living in Spain, his name is Didag Lee, and he's been an entrepreneur for 20 years, and now he's an investor, and he started everything from scratch. He's from the 70s, I think, so, so second generation um, in Spain, and he's very humble. 
I mean, he had yeah. achieved a lot and he is very humble. I had the chance to to meet him a few years ago and it's impressive everything he's done. Yeah. He's the kind of person that <laughs> you have to interview maybe. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> love he's in a lot of interviews. <laughs> <laughs> Very That's cool. Yeah. Well, right now you're the only Asian Spaniard that I know. <laughs> <laughs> there are a bunch. There I'm sure. Yeah, no, I'm sure there are. It's just not in my circle. That's all. <laughs> that's cool. Um, so I guess that's it for us. Do you have any questions for us? Um, just thank you very much for contacting me. And, and I've been listening to several of your podcasts. Uh, it's amazing that uh, there is a channel for elevating Asian voices. I didn't expect to be here, but I'm very happy to to be able to to oh, share yeah. my experience. And I wish to see more Asian people, Asian women doing this kind of things, you know, because it's like out of the scope of of our parents. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, for, that's for sure. <laughs> Well, you know, the, our parents' generation did traveling, but they did it more out of necessity, you know, like mm. leaving a country because yeah. of politics or economics. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so it's really cool to, to find you on YouTube. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. And we're, we're definitely going to keep up with you. Um, so that does it for episode 38. Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Curtis. Thank oh, you. Our pleasure. We are, we are rooting for you. And so if you ever feel a little tired on the on the hill or whatever you're riding over just think of us cheering you on as we're ready for you <laughs> I will. so everybody follow uh sada at she has a website called journey from the road or youtube same channel or instagram all the same name uh and we will you know what i need to do i need to find a way to send you a sticker for your bike from uh, our podcast <laughs> you can you can advertise okay. our podcast <laughs> okay okay i will stick it <laughs> no problem <laughs> the problem is finding out where you're gonna be <laughs> yeah that's a difficult one <laughs> uh, so next time you're somewhere for i don't know it's gonna take a while for it to get there anytime you know maybe three weeks ahead of time, <laughs> uh, this is gonna be hard <laughs> But yeah, but thank you so much for coming on. And hey, everyone, thank you so much for listening. We hope that you learned something. That's one of the goals of this podcast is that you learn something new. And you can always write to us at the at infatuationpodcast at gmail.com. And I'll put all the details in the show notes. The best way to make sure you know when our episodes are is you follow us on Spotify or Apple. And you can always leave us a rating or a review. That'd be great. But till we talk to you again. On behalf of Sada and myself, we hope that you're all happy, healthy, and safe out there. And talk to you soon. Muchas gracias a todos por escuchar y nos vemos pronto. Buenas noches. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>